0: hey fellow tennis nerds i hope all is well this is the second time i'm talking to coach evan a guy who helps me with analysis pieces he's a very clever coach he has different ideas on tennis he thinks outside the box which i really like and i think it fits the the tennis nerd audience and the brand and he is uh ex-d1 college player coached all his life pretty much and also has kids that play tennis so he gets it from the Parent coaching relationship to just thinking about coaches and how pro player conduct points, patterns of play, combos, and everything. So We get into the weeds of a lot of different things in this podcast. What I talked about was like strengthening the mind. Like when
1: you when to beat someone, you you never think you're gonna win. I'm always like I, I remember back to when I was younger and I would drive 45 minutes up to the stadium at UMass and I would run and and it's long story short, I was there. I'm like okay, I'm going up there. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go 30 times, single step up and down the, there, uh, up and down. And I get there and I'm, I'm at eight or nine and I'm like huffing and puffing. I'm like, I get the 12 and I'm like, what are you doing? And then I'm like, how can I not get the 20? I was here going to go to 30, but long story short, over time, I was able to get up to like three sets of twenties. Then I started going a little bit more Then one day after about six weeks, I just went crazy. I just, I, I just kept berating myself. I'm like, I get the 30. I'm like, well, you gotta get the 40. I'm like, so-and-so got the 40, you got to get the 50. And then I get the 50, I get the 60, get the 70. Next thing you know, I was running an hour and 15 straight for for uh, single steps. And and I didn't even realize I was just in the zone, just doing it. I was like, there's nobody in better shape than me. Like I'm going to, if a worst case now, I'm going to grind out the match. And then what I started realizing when I was younger was I didn't need all the skill set that you needed to win a match or it wasn't about getting better strokes as much as it was like, you know, to outwork someone mentally and physically.
0: Yeah. If you're strong both mentally and physically, you 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 win a lot. You need to have, I think, like two or three ways of winning a match. You can't just have plan A and then that's it. And then you leave, you know? It's like, if plan A doesn't work, I'm out. You know, it's not the best. But a lot of players have that, especially on the rec, rec level, you know? It's like a lot of plan A only.
1: Yeah, the hard part, so friends, when I go back to like training some of the juniors or I'm training my daughter, when she's just, when she's so young, like I don't grind her legs. I don't grind her. Like I don't sit there and, and fear tons of like fed ball and go like 30 side to side break, 30 side to side break. What I do is I just kind of, I slowly ease it in, but she's always complaining about her knees. So I'm like, I see these parents just like, okay, <laughs> we don't care. We just want you to be number one. Oh, my knees hurt. Yeah, whatever. But we just want you to be number one. And uh, we're just going to keep, you just got to keep training. You got to get through it. And then that's, I think that's where mentally that's where some of the kids go away and then the other part is they they get um the injuries I mean, the injuries yep. are so i don't say prevalent but it, it's overuse
0: i think they're becoming more prevalent I, I think that's that's what you see i mean i don't know if it's racket strings over playing or what it's just a combination but it, it's over like you see kids pros amateurs everyone is struggling with like overuse injuries you know
1: yeah and, and i think a lot of people are like attribute that to uh to the polys but the the polys if you get a softer poly like the links isn't that bad like if i was hitting like one of the ones you sent me was outlast Salenko outlast i think it was called
0: yeah yeah because of Brooksby.
1: yeah yeah so i i use it and it hit fine it was it's what i call a dead poly it's like Mm. uh you you get the same feel every time you get to play with it yeah then i played a couple sets with it and my arm felt dead i was like what the heck's going on i'm like, like, but, yeah, because that's what someone said to me. They're like, oh, I think Brooksby uses that. When I did all that stuff on Brooksby, I was watching his combos, Look at how he sets up his point. He always goes back to that recycle to the backhand corner. Then he plays J.J. Wolf and loses. And I said to a buddy, I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he, doesn't, if he skips the clay court season. I go, there's something a little bit going on with that guy. And then he doesn't play for a while. Then he shows up, gets crunched by a group, goes to the next tournament, it <laughs> he wins against a qualifier this guy's like what 35 40 in the world he wins against a qualifier and he just like he was screaming like it was like the US Open final like i laughed i was like i was like that's why i like I, he cracks me up i watch you know he makes a couple wins and he's you know he leads into the french and he get smoked yesterday but i laugh at the american players cuz we're so bad on the clay where the clay is like tough yeah. for us um, I think
0: it's a uh, historic, I mean, Jim Courier was pretty good, but overall it's not yeah. been the best. Yeah.
1: I so I was thinking about it. I'm like, why are we so bad on the clay? Like why are the Americans so bad? And it's because of, obviously it's because of the hard ports, but I said, when we run on the hard ports, it's like our, li- our feet are like, are like touching the ground. Right. Yeah. When we run on the clay, it's the same thing, but if it's like, it's like a bald tire. It's like a bald tire on wet on a, on a rain service. We're running on our toes, just like on a hard port. And then, but on the clay, you want to be, like, more, like, flat. You know, you yeah. want to put more flat. And we just don't learn that. <laughs> the players will learn how to slide. I remember back in the day, we, at training and Academy, we always work on our sliding. But it's the sliding, it's the forward movement. Like, you see, like, Djokovic was having trouble. Um, he's getting drop shot a lot. And then the funny thing with the pros is they go match to match. Like, I'm I'm noticing, like, a trend on, like, say, I forget which match. I think it was a rune match. Like, rune was playing somebody in the first round, the tournament that room made to the final, I think he won the tournament first round. He almost got knocked out. And the guy he was playing was coming in and having success on the server, serve volley, but hit and follow into the net. And uh, so he gets by that match. He plays Vera Beriv, and Vera like, hits the wall. And he's like, you know what? The other guy, had ex- yesterday, the guy that had a success uh, coming to the net, I think I'll come to the net. And it's like, he started coming out of what I call rags. It's like coming out of nothing. And then, and he's getting passed left and right, but the day before, Rune was not making any passing shots. But the point being, I think some of the pros, the coaching makes me laugh. I'm I'm seeing a trend that they'll look at the previous guy's match. There, I call it lazy man's coaching. But they'll look at the previous match, and be like, well, if that worked for that guy, it'll work for you. The other thing I've been noticing with uh, the clay court season, one question I had before it started was, are the points different on? Um, on the clay court season to the hard court season and but those hard court combos if you notice like Djokovic's combos have changed since the clay court season started or I'm calling it a four ball combo he's mastering his four ball combo like Brooksby I just so I watched a little bit of that match this morning and I watched a little bit yesterday of like the hi, not highlights but I kind of like cycled through it and he's playing that hard court combo and Cuevas is just like knows it and he's like teeing up he's like either hitting a winner on his backhand he's hitting a forehand from the same backhand location that he's hitting to, her, he's dropping it, and I'm like, like I get it. Like you're gonna go to these tournaments with what got you there, but mm-hmm. that's not what's getting you there on a the clay court.
0: <laughs> no, no, it's. A, I mean, like that's but, the beauty of tennis is that it's a different sport every time you change surface, right? Yeah,
1: and then the, I don't know if you noticed know, too the grunting I'm, that's making me laugh.
0: You mean you the know? guy who played Dominic or?
1: no he was grunting
0: loud too oh he was bad huh yeah it was I watched watching I didn't see the match I was watching highlights this morning and it was it was hard to watch it and I, I was not alone because there was a lot of comments saying exactly the same thing like I mean obviously you feel for Dominic something is is up you know his confident on confidence on his forehand is is gone yeah. but but the grunting thing from um, Delian was it, it was' excessive right he was he was like every time he hit something that seemed to give 5% effort or 10% effort more than usually he was going screaming, you know, it's like, and long, long ones. Like it, it was really a long uh, and quite excessive grunt.
1: That, that kind of bugs me. That's why I, I, some there's some females I just can't watch.
0: <laughs> no, 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 of course. I mean, it's. I mean there is some famous like Asarenka, I think, pretty loud. Uh, Sharapova had a hard time watching for most of her career. Uh, I think there are some more f- extreme ones, but not as good probably as well. You know, and it, it's not easy. Like it's it's too much. You 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 would definitely bother the other player, which maybe is a point, but, but it's not not really nice. I think
1: no. And then so you, I know like it's not just Brooksby as a couple other people are doing it too, but they're doing on big points. They're not doing anything. All of a sudden it's break point. And they're like eh, eh. yeah, yeah. Like come on. I'm like you know like that's a little bit a little bit much, but um. But the funny thing about this day and age is, is that's where I think I wrote one of the pieces, how, you know, I wouldn't have, that wouldn't have went over well with me. Like in the locker room, I would have, I would have probably, <laughs> I probably would have said something to the guy. i like, hey, listen, you, you gotta, you gotta, but I remember Lendl was getting upset with Agassiz back in the day. If you want to go back to old school, Lendl used to complain about his grunting.
0: I think he used but to complain Agassi's- in general, but
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> complain about it. whatever you could complain yeah about.
0: yeah, whatever you could complain about it would and like
1: you said when i watched your your thing yesterday the people were all chasing that perfect technique yeah. you know? everyone's chasing it and then so since i've been doing the, the this year i haven't i never really went online that much over stuff i just kind of did my teaching did my whatever um but then i start going online now i'm looking at content and stuff started to pop on my youtube there's a couple guys i don't mind and then there's a couple guys i'm just like ah. but like you said it's all technical based and but i'm curious so say say i put a website together mm. well i don't want to tell my information right so you gotta pay for that but at the same time it's like well what do i gotta put out there i'm gonna put some technical stuff out there now, at least yeah. you know i can play you know and then i've showed the technique do some quick drills blah 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 but it, it's a little funny to me how the how the how the whatever you want to call it the game works you know with uh the online stuff because there's stuff I think about and there's drills. I mean, I have tons of of content and it's now I'm trying to put it on, on from paper to, uh, to the computer, which is a pain, but I'm like, there's gotta be people thinking the stuff I'm thinking. But then the more I talk to people, the more people reach out to, to talk to me, they're like, you're just different. You're outside the box. And I'm like, yeah, but these guys gotta be thinking about that stuff too. But the way I put together, my combos are a little bit different. They're only getting better. Like meaning I got two on one drills. I'm, I'm putting together better for like I'd say ten and above UTR, but then mm-hmm. below, I'm putting. I'm really focusing on like the beginning stuff right now more. I'm doing my my bigger stuff on the side. So the way I look at coaching these days is like these guys have got millions of dollars. Like it's like a CEO of a company. Like the CEO isn't the manager. He isn't the the product this and the product that. The CEO is just delegating up like delegating the roles. I mean, do you see it when you go to the tournaments? How much, How big the teams are? The teams don't look that big.
0: Depends on the on the. Like some players, I mean, if you go on anyone lower, they go like alone or with a coach, and we're talking maybe 500 or ish ATP ranked. But then if you go like, you know, I'm probably going to Germany and Spain to watch ATP 250 now next month, and I've been in the player restaurants in the player locker rooms or gyms
1: what kind of what's part of that team is it a physio a coach
0: physio coach hitting partner some kind of trainer but it's an interesting situation i listened to this um podcast today from simon sinek who's a famous like uh, mentor in like the business world in general like about, about finding your why and being more purposeful in your life and a reason that a lot of like professional athletes after their career, or when they achieve like the their goals, which is like winning grand slams or being number one or whatever sport you do it, they get depressed. And the reason is that their goals are always completely self obsessed. Like, so they, they only have in their whole team, everyone around them is all about them performing, right? And th- their whole goal with hiring people is for them to get an extra percent of some kind in their game, so extra chance of winning. And a- after you've done that, or after your career, let's say you don't become number one, there's an emptiness because you didn't give anything really back. Like you, you might have fans, but that's just a byproduct. It's not like that you made the fans. And he had a good point. Like he said something that was pretty funny. He said that they usually when you ask them, like, so why do you do this? Like, what's what's your pursuit? Oh, I want to inspire kids, and that's he's just like that's just bullshit. Like, there has nothing to do with any inspiration. He just wants to be number one. You know that that's all he thinks about. That's why he hires his team, that's why he goes out to train every day. He has nothing to do about inspiring anyone. It's all very, very egotistical. And that's, I think, when that's done, and when you kind of get down on the ground again and become a normal human being, it's a pretty shallow pursuit, right? I mean, it's like that that's where you don't find you don't find any happiness in just your ego being everything you think about for, for a whole career. Like if you're Michael Jordan, if you're someone like it's the whole career is you. It's like your ego winning.
1: Um, Tom Brady, he retires and he's unretired. He's going to come back. And I'm like, I question some of that. Is, is it about him or is it about the, the records is it about like that whole ch- like that. At some point you got to walk away, but yeah. hey, what do I know
0: <laughs> to be a pro athlete? I guess it's, it's a very uh, much a pursuit of, of, excellence in your whole team, in your training, in your diet, in your uh, whatever gains you can make, but it, it can become quite hollow, right? As a, as a thing. So I think that's what we're seeing. And and, and when I w- was watching Osaka and her team, it, it, it feels a bit surreal. Like she, she didn't seem super happy to be there, to be fair. Her team, you know, they, they were, I guess, trying, you know, what, what can they do? But if you're coaching someone that doesn't even seem super happy to play tennis, your happiness will also diminish right so you won't be very excited to go like oh i'm gonna work with this player who's uh, you know millionaire gazillionaire and she is not even wanted to, you know so it must be a tough thing to to go through i think
1: so i get a dog like a, now it's like two years ago i had a dog grown up but either way i kind of play with it but then i'm like leave me alone type thing like look go do your own thing get her, get out of here but the dog will always come back to me And my wife, they'll sit there and be like, Well, I don't know why that dog likes you so much because you don't even give it the time of day. And I'm like, Well, that's probably why. So, coming back to like Osaka, sometimes the the cool thing about coaching is like with players, you have to read the player, you have to know what is going on in the background, like with the parents and all that kind of stuff. And what happens with with her, I'd almost treat the, like in that situation that you just gave me, I'd be like, Well, you got to do the opposite. You got to, you got to kind of turn your back a little bit, make them come. Cause even like a few weeks back, my daughter, She was complaining a little bit, and I was like, whatever. I go, like, it was April vacation. She took two weeks off after a tournament, and I didn't know if she was ever going to play again. Like, I was like, I'm like, whatever. You're not going to play. You're not going to play. So I didn't really ask her. I'm like, I'll wait till she says, hey, what's going on? And so a few weeks go by, and then she's like, are we playing today? And I'm like, are we playing today? I don't know that's, or do you want to play today? She goes, well, I thought we were going to play today. I'm like, all right. And, it, and so I waited for the bug to come back to her. And then she, she picked it back up. But, mo- but there's the other half of me was like, Nope, no, you got to play. You got it Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, every week. You can't miss a day because every day you miss you're, you're losing out because these kids are training and you, the whole mantra from when you were kids about like, you know, you're losing sleep and over these people aren't where, where they're like, go, go, go. And uh, and I laughed. That's, I mean, it's tough because it's a fine line, with, especially with the junior, especially with your own kid. Like, one of the thoughts that popped up, and this could be totally like, off the wall crazy, but I don't, it is what it is. But I was thinking about, like, a, <laughs> I'm mowing the lawn. I'm thinking about, like, oh, what am I going to talk to the Jonas about? Like, oh, I could talk to him about, like, about profiling and stuff like that. So, like, for me, like, I'm like what I call like more of a profiler. I love, like, match play. I love, like, watching the stuff. And I love, like, seeing kids say, like, couple months later and i look at them and i'm like okay i know what they've been doing for the past two months they've been working on x y and z and some of these kids that bonk out at like nine ten utr and can't get over that hump I, like part of me is like let me talk to their coach they had at 10 years old let me talk to their coach they had at 12 years old at 13 or 14 and just start doing all the dig work and be like okay they lost like six months here they lost a year and a half here because that coach was way too technical and added on to them like the bottom line is you get those roadblocks coming like, honestly, like that 10 to 14 range. And then, but then they still keep training. You just got, you just got to get on schedule, you got to keep training. And then you get to 18, 19, 20, and you just never progress because of something that happened when you were 12. <laughs> a lot of the time, I think it comes back to the parents, but I mean, I hate to throw it all on the parents, but like, I'm even guilty of some mental blocks in my kids, obviously. I'm not perfect, but um, I don't claim to be perfect either.
0: You see a lot of parents, and I, I've like hit with juniors that play every day like they're 15 16 years old and you don't see any love for tennis and then you ask them when their parents not there you're like so why do you play tennis that you don't seem to like it at all you know oh but my parents you know blah 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 i would rather be this or do this and then that's just you know that's never going to be good like that's just quit quit play tennis you know, don't do something you don't want to do you get so much more reward and enjoyment if you actually like doing it you know
1: like i look at it coaching or like hitting is like a memory thing too so say you hit two days a week but what you're doing is you're focusing on combos say so you're getting a lot out of that but if it's new to you but if you're hitting four days a week and all you're doing is coming out cross courts down the lines volleys play a 21 and then go and because even like that piece i wrote to you on that 21 like sometimes i don't back in the day i don't like to share too much but now i'm like being more open about stuff Yeah. Um, but those 21s are killers because and I talked to my students about it lately. I said, we're not doing that anymore because I said you can be up you can be up on me 11 of 3. You win 10 points, I win 10 points, but all you did was just ride me out. Or if you're serving 5 and 5 and where you serve 5, I serve 5, do the same format. It's the same format. I just got to win 3 out of every 5 and I'm going to win. But you're not focused on strategy. Say I'm playing in college and monday tuesday we had matches so if i played a couple of kind of mediocre matches and i felt a little tight i'd show up at my coach's door on lunch break i'd be like hey can you feed me some balls for like a half hour today i'll do whatever after but just feed me some balls like yeah no problem feed you some balls i get the practice you're playing a ladder match i'm like i just played two matches monday tuesday i'm playing a ladder match now i'm pissed off and I got a match on thursday or friday so like when am i ever going to get the work on my game so i'd be pissed off so i would i would start (laughs) i start goofing off like meaning like i'd be like you know what i don't care he's making me play i'm not into it i'm just going to serve wide serves the whole time for the whole set and see if i can win the set by just doing one thing and all of a sudden i started putting points together i started being like so say I serve wide, and I'm like, "What's the result? The result's going to go to the forehand, to your end to the middle." So all of a sudden, the more slice serves I hit out wide, the more. And I said, "You know what? I'm going to do that tomorrow too." He's going to make me play a ladder match tomorrow. He's probably not going to let me hit again. So I'm going to do it again. So all of a sudden, I started getting creative and fun, and I started doing the same thing. And I started noticing the same result. I'm like, "Oh my god!" So now I started going up to the line and be like, "All right, serving out wide, balls coming to my forehand. I'm taking the forehand up the line." I'm going to follow to the net and see what happens. And also you start putting A, B, and C together. But I didn't learn that by my coach. I learned that from being frustrated and kind of pissed off that he wouldn't let me work on my game (laughs) um, or get my timing back.
0: That's a pretty mature way of of approaching it, I guess. Like I think, I mean, generally that might be an issue also for the pros like because tournaments are happening every week and there's travel in between and there's probably some PR or whatever, depending on how good you are. So when do you actually do? Like okay, you always work, but but it's like some. I think it's for, to do any major changes will will you need more time, right?
1: Yeah, and that's where I, I think that's that lag on the juniors when they get to like that 10, 11 UTR level, or at least the boys, and they can't get the twelve is because of that process that just keeps going. It's the same process. They're playing sets and they're playing twenty ones. They're playing more sets. They're playing more twenty ones, and they're, and their their game plans are getting so conservative that they're not they're not adding anything to their game. With the French, I'll tell them that they should be looking for grip change combos. Um, tight tight and then spread, tight and then spread. It, when, I mean, you can do that on a hard court too, but I find that on clay, the more you set the ball in one spot, the more they're going to get crushed. But on, you can get away with that hardcore. Like, look at Brooksby just chasing stuff down on a court, but he looks like a fish out of water um, on the
0: clay. And you have more time on clay, but it's also a game where you you can't just use your opponent's pace. You need to generate pace. And that some players thrive on that but you need to play a lot on clay like you need to be able to generate action on the ball so you need to always generate
1: with with the tennis channel and all that stuff the thing that cracks me about them compared to the golf when you watch golf the nick faldo and all those guys are at the tournament they're watching the practice green they're watching what tiger's doing they're watching what you know justin thomas is doing and they're commenting on it when you you get the tennis channel people they're in new york the tournament's in paris but they're in new york commenting from new york and it's like it would be nice if they were out at the practice courts, viewing the practice courts and letting people know, oh, we saw Medvedev practicing. he's really working a lot on his volleys. We've been noticing that for the past six months. He's been really spending a lot of time, but doesn't show on the, on the matches, but he's really, every time we see him out there on the practice courts, they're doing some kind of volley work. I think the, the fans would want to hear more about that. Or grip change combos where you got to tap the center. Like, I never realized how important the center of the court was. As a kid, you're always like open court, open court, open court. And like, even when I play the juniors, anyone under like a 10, 10 UTR, they always love the open court, easy to read. So I'm 47. I said, man, I said, my, my little one's seven years old by the time she's 17. I go, I'm, I'm at 57. I go, I have no interest hitting with like any but above a 10 UTR. Like I'd rather be, I'm already like setting my stage for the nine to 15 year olds and then having the younger pro, a couple of younger pros in the area work with the older players and then make a system because what I find around here is a lot of, I hate to throw people under the bus, but a lot of people will hold on to players too long. And mm. I don't, like you said about ego earlier, it's like it's a little egotistical but they'll say well i'm egotistical and i'm like well like i don't try to coach five to ten year olds right now because it's not it's kind of like coming back to fun it's not it's fun or it's not fun meaning like when i coach them i'm a totally different person i'm just there to goof off and let them have fun and enjoy their time but the problem with that is the kids will go away and think you're just mr goofball and then yeah then when you go hang out with the, the older kids and you're being serious, it's like, well, I remember it used to be fun, but now you're getting too serious. And it's like, well, what do you want? Do you want fun all the time? But the point being is like under the good systems, like if you're in the Boston area, there's a lot of good pros that will be good for the five to 10 year olds. And then they'll move up to the 10 to 15 pro. And then when they're 15 to 18, they'll move up to the higher level X players and, and whatnot. Um, teach more. I would like to say strategy, but, like if you don't go to tournaments if you don't watch the kids play if you don't watch the college players play you lose touch with say today i just stopped going to matches stopped playing matches 10 years later i'm still teaching today you know what i mean like I'm, i like once you stop going to matches you're, you 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 have to you have to keep up with the times like if you don't like there's people who still teach old school tennis and i'm like have you seen like the, the 8 year olds play have you seen the 10 year olds play they're hitting mega tops and like my my 11 year old, she doesn't play too, too much. She's not super serious about tennis, but she's got a Western grip. I never taught her that. I just taught no. her, spin. you know, when I fed her balls, I just said, spin, spin, spin. She never asked me how, and then none of my kids ever asked how, and I never tell them I'm like, figure it out. Like, because I don't know if I talked to you about it in the other podcast. I'm not sure I did, but I call it molding. I said, what, what it is, is you the, like coming back to what you said about, um, passion and all that stuff. It's like you can't tell kids what grip to use and what thing to use. You gotta let them figure their grip out. And it's got to be part of them because so like for instance, my daughter, my older one, when she takes two weeks off, she comes back, you would never know she's had two weeks off. She you'd think she was still playing the whole time. Like physically, yeah, she might be a little more tired, a little quicker. But other than the physical side, I was always like, I was the opposite. Like when I was a kid playing, I need to play seven days a week. I'd play four hours a day. I'd train, 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 train. I would take one day off. I felt like I didn't play for a month and I never wanted my kids to be like that or the kids I work with. And I wanted them to understand the stroke enough. So that's why I preach like contact point and spin and, and whatnot. But it was just funny that my daughter grabbed a Western grip and I'm like, what the heck is that? And, uh, and I'm like hey you know Fognini's got a western grip a lot of guys have western grips
0: now they make also the grips of the rackets like obviously Wilson has changed the grips of the rackets so now when you get a new racket let's say you bring get a Clash or something modern Head Boom the grip is made for you to hold the racket in the way where it's you either go semi or western I feel like that it actually feels natural like I grew up eastern so <laughs> for me it it's it's been like it's tough to change my hand always wants to go back. Like it always wants to go back, but I'm trying to change, but it, it's tough, you know? But but for them, it's like, okay, you know, this is how the racket handle looks. So obviously I pick it up like this and yeah. they just hold it naturally. And I think that's that's good. Like that's one way it's, it's been helpful to actually redesign the, the palettes of the rackets a bit because they now are more natural for a... Western grip or, you know, semi-Western grip. So that's, I mean, I, I don't see any kids has uh, Eastern grip, right? I don't see that at all. Uh,
1: the, only, the only one I'm curious on tour is uh, Rublev. I wonder what, he seems a little bit Eastern, maybe, but I could be wrong. I have to look at him up close.
0: Yeah, um, he looks a bit like, because he's also very, um, yeah, his take back looks a bit more like my God. that. Foxy. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, boxy. on that. Yeah, like even yesterday when you, you were talking about like people saying how you have a big backswing or this and that. yeah, yeah. I laugh because even my daughter, they said the same thing. And I just, again, I just let her do her thing. She'll figure it out in the long run. So what I've been doing lately for a warm-up. So you know how you come out warm-up, do your regular five, ten-minute warm-up? Uh, I think I wrote it in one of the warm-up pieces that I wrote. Yep. for you. Blue, that's brown and red. So I have, like, so I'll have my daughter, like, today I'll have her warm-up. And when after she warms up for just normal warm up, and then we'll maybe sp- spend a few extra minutes on volleys, um, I go right into where she has to hit to my blue spot. I can go anywhere, you know, in relation to like not hitting winners, but hitting solid enough where she's got to start reading where I'm where I'm going, get a feel for what's happening. I'll do that for about five or ten minutes. She'll get a drink. I'll go to the middle, and then I'll do that. I'll hit anywhere I want. And then I'll go to the red and go to the back end corner. And what happens is, like I said, she has to pick up on my, my patterns, and she has to focus on an area. But rather than come out and do cross courts and down lines, those kids get grip change all the time. I see those kids at tournaments. I'm like, I just wish my daughter was more experienced enough to like realize that she could tap the center on some of these pe- on some of the people. These are that's just a simple combo I was talking about. You can change these anywhere you want. You can put them here, and here. You can you know you can micro move it if you wanted to. You can put a shorter spot here and a deeper spot here. Anything where you can move the ball flight is way more important than like consistent. Like consistency. That's where one of the people, one of the trollers said like, well, you've got to be consistent too. There's something you said about consistency. And and like, I think people think I'm bashing consistency. I'm like, no, if you're from your beginning days to about six UTR, it's important. But after six UTR, you need strategy, you need weapons, you need whatever. Um, but I'll show you a funny one I just started doing. But this is where some of my combos get kind of kooky, and like people be like, This guy is nuts. And like, and that's where like some of the, the trollers, I'm like, Yeah, I go, I'm a little bit nuts, but so this is another, it's a warm-up drill, but it's a little bit different. And what I do is you go one and two here, one and two, three. Four or five. I call it like a walk the dog drill, like a yo yo. Like you go one, two, back and forth here. The next shot goes here. And then the next two go here. And then you walk it back. So you go one, two, three, four, five, three, one, two, three, four, five. And you just keep like moving. It's like an early combo training. It's a, it's something just to move your feet a little bit. So you know how we talked about that drill, and I, I kind of teased you for that cross-court down-line drill? The,
0: the butterfly, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, and so this is similar to that, but what this does, it helps it helps movement a little bit.
0: Yeah, I yeah. think the middle one, is, is it, it's not maybe as drastic as the butterfly because that can be quite difficult. I mean, I've seen a lot of club players try it, and it, it becomes kind of like difficult, you know? This one, you have the the down-the-line one probably put gives you a little bit of a stop which is, and you still have to move over and keep, I, I think it makes more sense in that sense, you know, because the butterfly can, it can be quite difficult for some players to hit and you know, to complete.
1: Yeah. And I was thinking about that too. Like even if you do the butterfly one, if you tightened it up and made it like a hit here and a hit here, because even if you went just on, on half a court, if you just went inside like that, it's so much easier because you're just moving a little bit and you're not getting stuck on uh, on the cross-court forehand or the cross-court backhand.
0: Yeah, I think it's sometimes like you have to run. Um, like the opponent hits like maybe a too deep ball or a, or a slightly out ball and then you the other play has to run and then you start losing momentum because one guy is pushed and too far. When you're, when you're closing in the court like that, it's, it's easier to do it, but it still requires quite a lot of footwork yeah. thinking, you know?
1: Yeah. And so the other one I did. So I have this this older guy I hit with, he hits with me, and then he uses the information to hit with um, some some of the locals that he hits with. So what we do when you're in relation to what you're saying about that, when you're you're doing that drill where it's hard, someone gets pushed off the court, then it gets a little sloppy. I mean, it happens to all of us. So what I do is I tap the center. So if we have an open hit, like say we have an open hit, we're just moving each other around. It's not 100%, but it's not 50%. But what happens is once I put them off here, the role is you have to hit the center. Yeah. And then it gives them time to get back. I mean, I don't know. I never thought about that much back in the day. But now, like for him, we, at least we did that yesterday. It was fun. It was fun because the rally kept going. This drill where I do this with my daughter, the other thing I forgot about was what that teaches her is when she hits here, she should notice she's not running as much. And all of a sudden, she's like, well, if that worked in practice like that, well, in the match, if I hit the center, I'm probably not going to be running that much. Now, the only difference is you get a kid with a forehand who's going to shift out and just start smoking inside out forehands, and you're just pushing balls to the center. That's where, like, someone who, who comments will be like, well, what happens if this? It's like, yeah, like, that's obvious it's going to happen. Like, if you're playing a big hitter, you know, that, that numbers, that combination is not going to work um, as well to a certain degree it does work though funny story i'm not going to name any names but like a guy i kind of work with a little bit here and there he was telling me a story about how he he plays with like a 10 and a half utr he trains him because getting ready to play college tennis for the fall and he said he saw the kid on the ball machine he was hitting out of this area right here and just ripping inside ins and inside out so he plays a lot of sets with him and he laughed he's like you know what he goes i never he never saw that spot once mm,
0: <laughs> and I, of course I not yeah.
1: because sometimes the kids these days don't like you know when i say i'm old school like even when i watch like like a two five like i see some two five or three oh i see people at the court and they just show up and i'm like man I, like my brain just like how do you beat them in five seconds so i'm just like look at how do you do it like figure it out and it's like obviously it's not gonna be like complicated but Whenever I see a new player, I'm always thinking like that, but that's so old school. The kids are, like you said, they're, they're, when you said egotistical, some of the coaches too, they're so focused on themselves that they don't see anything outside their their own vision.
0: And I think it's a lot about like the modern tennis or the, the the kids. They are generally very physically fit. They have pretty good power overall. So when they have that power, you see it abused over and over again. So they want to rip, like they watched way too much ATP tennis. So they want to rip cross-court yeah, yeah forehands or like inside out winners you know and you see that like a lot of the game revolves around running around hitting a big forehand instead of thinking like is this going to help the opponent or it's going to you know play against me maybe if i keep doing that like running around for example but that's like you want to hit rip the ball and for a winner that way might be the wrong way to play in the, this match you know for example so i think that's uh, you see that a lot they don't play yeah. like smart they do just want to go like big you know it's
1: like the the five-year-old who doesn't get what he wants and he starts pouting it's like when he doesn't get yeah. his winner he starts getting like what do i do i don't know what to do now uh one thing i thought of too when i watched your your video yesterday for some reason i thought a wall ball and i thought of like hitting on the wall but the point being is like there's like some stuff i did and i always like pictured when i was a kid i'm like oh if i ever got interviewed you know if i was ever a professional i got interviewed and, they, and i tell them some stories about what i did as a kid but i thought everybody did this stuff so Tell me if you've ever, you've hit on the wall, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, a lot. When I was a kid, I did a lot. Yeah.
1: Question on that. So I'd get bored. So I'd start hitting right to left, right to left, right to left. But I would just literally do it like nonstop. So what I did is I, I, don't know if I told you this, I taped a little box on the wall and I wouldn't look at the ball and I would watch that. I would just watch, I would just look at the box and I do 50 in a row, 50 in a row on the other side, 50 in a row back and forth. And so when I play, if I get a any ball under like 80, 90 miles an hour, I, I peek at my opponent all the time. So I hear the pros always like saying, watch the ball, watch the ball. I'm like, I'm like, I don't watch the ball. I watch the, the player. I watch the swing. The swing tells me what's going on. Their setup tells me where the ball is going. I go, but if I never did that wall ball stuff, I don't know if I ever would have done that. Because so many people say, watch the ball, keep your eye on the ball. And I'm like, I'm like, keep your eye on that ball because I'll keep fooling you every time. I'll keep misdirecting you one way or another way. You ever think about that? Keeping your eyes on the target without looking at the ball.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I've done that. Like for sure. I mean, I've done that when I, I use these kind of um, sweet spot tools, when you have a small sweet yeah, yeah, spot yeah. and after a yeah. while you're, you get warmed you call up. It a
1: saber? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was...
0: the saber is, is the latest one from functional test, but there, there've been other ones, but those that you can actually play, or, or if like, let's say I play with like a wooden racket or whatever, then I try to just feel the ball and, and watch the, where I'm going to hit it, you know? And it works pretty well. Like after when you warmed up, it starts working pretty well, right? I mean, you need to watch the ball. I guess that's the thing. But but it, well, yeah,
1: and staying behind the ball. So one of the funny things that I started doing was like my family is always. I'm always. I'm the youngest. I'm always a dumper. I'm always getting dumped on with. Uh, with stuff hey my kids are too old you want this and i'm like not really but all right you can drop it off in my yard so my sister drops off uh a badminton in a volleyball set so I, I break out the badminton so i keep wanting to get one for the kids just to goof off because we again we played a lot of 21s as a kid like ping pong with badminton so i go out and i play badminton and i'm like man i go this is why my timing's so good because it's so it's this is little this is little contact point and uh and then you get my daughter's with whiff whiff with, and I'm like, no, you'll get better. You just got to keep doing it. You're just going to get better. You should go back and forth and blah, blah, blah. Only my little one has gone out there with me. The other ones will do a couple seconds and leave. But I said, it's kind of like not important, but it was kind of worth it for, because it's like, I like the saber. It's like a mini saber. And yeah. uh, and for kids to get the sweet spot, because I remember people telling me when I was younger, they're like, how does it feel to always hit the center of the racket? I'm like, I don't know. Why don't you hit the center of the racket? But some kids, some players like the top of the racket. They get more bite up at
0: the top i think that's that's what changed with uh, modern swings and, and like i mean they the racket manufacturers talking about rackets started you know on purpose moving the sweet spot up of the racket a bit because people players were hitting there like anyway right it's like you, you with with the more western swing you're going to hit higher up in the racket like yeah. i'm more old school i i also like timing the ball and i i'm, I'm that's where my strength is like timing balls on the rise that stuff feels natural to me. You had to do that on carpet courts. You had to time the ball in the rise, move into the net. So that's where I'm comfortable, you know, but today there's a lot about like, okay, you know, generating maximum rotation from a dead ball. It's like, we talked about hand feeds or whatever. That's what people work on today. Uh, Where, where I'm more used to the ball coming high speed, timing the ball, you know, so that's a different style of tennis.
1: One drill since the last time we talked, I did, there's this guy who's local who, um, He's like an 11 and a half slash 12. I haven't even looked him up in a while, but I know he plays futures and he still travels and plays futures. And so he wanted to work on something and I was around. He mostly hits with a, a few other guys. I'm like, feel like too old to be hitting with that, anybody like that. But so anyway, long story short, one of the drills I did with him, that was, it was kind of fun, was he would serve. I would chip the return of the center of the court. He'd tag it to the corner but I'd be sitting there with a, like three or four balls in my hand and I would just randomly feed them wherever. And what happened was he needs this one player. He, he hits short out of this corner. So I was always trying to hammer one into that corner. I would like, after he hit the first ball, I put him in the corner. I try to get him over there. I go one to the other, but for me being older, if I play an 11, the 10 and a half, 11 UTR, I'll be sore for a week. I'm not. I'm not in any shape to play those kind of matches. I play at eight UTR. I wake up the next day like I didn't do anything.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that well, that's tennis. Like the levels are so stark. Like the the type of ball you get when you play with someone who used to play futures, uh, or or the, on that similar level, it's it's such a it's, it's like a completely different game from playing someone who's two levels three levels below. Right, it's it's just changes everything pace the depth just feel like a different workout as well like you're you're sweating in a different way like you have to read the game much faster everything happens at so much such a faster pace you know
1: the only time to replicate it is like fast hand feeds i mean that's one thing that's the only thing i'd ever want to work on to get my i call it getting my eyes back it's like when i get my 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 sight back is when i'm doing quick stuff when i'm doing what i call not lazy stuff but when i'm doing slower stuff i have all the time in the world But that's the biggest difference when you go hit with one of those guys you got to be ready a little bit faster and if you haven't been doing it (laughs) it's kind of a pain i I wrote up a drill for somebody for this they're asking questions about short balls and for a live ball it's kind of hokey because what happens is like say i'm rallying with you i'm like Mm. all right on ball three i'm gonna give you a short ball then come in well you're you're never working for ball three you're always getting a me just lipping the ball over the net and then you you just you come in I always like call it isolation drills where you just, you feed the short ball in right away. You know, you're hitting to my forehand. I'm going back to you. Then the point goes open or yeah. whatnot. There's always those ones, but you probably already know that one. The only other one. So for people at home, if they're like growing it, if they're feeding their kids balls, and they have baskets. I always do movement drills. I try to anyway, where you got the player here. And say, I'm going to give a short ball here. They got to shuffle out, touch and go but here's the thing it's when they shuffle out and go it's not as easy as it's easy if you know what you're doing but for like a parent it's probably a little bit harder because the parents always are easy like when i see parents do this they feed it too easy so the kid like kind of lollygags it over the corner they wait and they touch then they feed the ball and they got all the time in the world i stress kids out like i sit there and i'll almost like feed it a little bit too early in the sense that like let's go. You're on my time, Like, let's mm. go. Like, I don't care if you double bounce it, that's on you. And if you double bounce it twice in a row, you might have to run some suicides. Now, back in the old days, I used to say that, but now in the old, now in the new age, I don't do that as, as much. Um, it's a little bit harder, but I call them kickouts where you kick out and you go, or if you want to work on this corner, you can do the opposite. You can kick out that way and have to like shift over. You can kick out this way and get the inside out ball.
0: Yeah. Uh, it looks like a good footwork drill to get like your feet moving. Right.
1: Yeah. And those are, so when people do the hand feeds, like, yeah, you can get stuff out of the hand feed in a way like, but you're hitting a dead ball that that bugs me Um, when you're doing it like this, you're getting conditioning. And I said, like, I'm going back old school a little bit. And some of the training I do for the, the kids I teach, because me personally, I don't know how you feel, but like I, I did the fitness. I was good at it. I was fast. I was always quick. I always had stamina but I didn't like it, but I just did it because I knew you're going to be a better tennis player. But if you gave me stamina with a ball, I loved it. I was like, I really like gravitated towards that stuff. Like I could take a whole basket, kick out, pound. I call it kick out, run up, pound, kick out, pound. And if I double bounce, I take it upon myself. I get mad at myself. I'd be like, don't ever double bounce the ball. I'd be telling him. And then, you know, you can back pedal out, go back, back pedal out, go back. But I was always like the, the, like the, the energizer bunny like i always wanted to make sure that when it ever I, I would go to the last person quit and i'd go a few extra <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. that's I, good i mean i think that if you have that mentality that's where you can actually build a good, very good game right yeah, yeah. It's just, i i pick up so
1: 47 years old i pick on my daughter i pick on the kids i teach i'm like man i go i'll get out here right now and i'll, I'll do a better basket than you guys can do when you're 16 17 you know, 14 years old. And I said, I'll blast through these baskets. Like, and, and I said, I love that stuff. I used to love like the conditioning side of training. But as far as like running suicides and stuff, I was, that was more like punishment. And so that getting back to like the negative feeling and stuff, part of the reason I don't do that, it's hard. Cause I tell kids, I'm like, you know, if I was college coaching, you, you'd be running sprints. Like, you're not paying me. You'd be running sprints, but if you're paying me, and sometimes the parents will be like, you know, I really want you to work my son or my daughter hard and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but you don't get it. I said, if I, if I work them the way I want to work, them, they're going to come home in a couple of weeks. They're like, I don't want to go back again. This is he's <laughs> tough. He's it's, it's not fun. Or, you know, and what happens is it can compound too, like a compound area. It can say the kid had a bad hitting session and then they go back in the car and really they're mad about running. But they're like, well, Evan was he made us run a lot today because so-and-so and it's like, well, not really. So there's, there's kind of the other thing too, going back and like, I know I wrote a couple of junior pieces for you is some of the, the talk that goes back in the car is, I think I wrote it in there, but just to reiterate, it was uh, the problem I have. And I never noticed it until till recently. When I say recently in the last few years is say a kid comes into the clinic and he plays and he loses in the clinic. Well, when he goes back in a car, what does he tell the parent? He's not gonna tell me lost. They're gonna say, like, oh, who you did you play somebody today? Did you win? Did you play? They're like, No, we just hit today. Like, oh, we gotta start we gotta find somewhere where we gotta start playing more matches. And like the kid played three sets that day, but he doesn't want to say it because he lost all three sets, you know. So there's like a I don't know what the word is for, like not dichotomy, but it's like there's like a there's like an absence of responsibility that's going because then the parent believes their kid, the kids making the stuff up you know is it true sometimes i'm sure i'm sure there's like some truth to it but um that's one of the issues i've been i've been dealing with over the years is uh is what's being said in the car is is not what's actually happening on the tennis court
0: yeah i think that's that's pretty common right i think that especially with with uh, with kids when it comes to like adult players you work with let's say players who are ambitious and, and decent what do you think is like the the top things that the, like a 4 I'm talking NTRP, like whether it's a 3-5 to a 5 could improve to, uh, yeah, yeah, to win more right. matches. Yeah,
1: There's a couple of things. So one of the things that I like with the 4-5s that get them better is when they play against my top juniors. So if they play against a, you know, so my daughter's like a 5-something. You know, she's like in the 5s and she gets something out of it, but sometimes they don't get as much. So they got to deal with like playing with like a weaker player. But my 8s, pretty much beat all the four or fives, like in some of them kind of squish them, but some are kind of tight. Depends on what kind of style. But if they, if, if they could play juniors, they get more out of it when they play each other. Like what I noticed with the four O's and four fives is they play each other all the time. The training is the same all the time. There's <laughs> it's Sunday morning doubles, uh, yeah. Tuesday night singles, uh, Thursday night doubles or singles. And then they, they're playing the same people, same rotations. And uh, so what I learned was, I mean, I'm, in some ways they can't do this, but, like, I, I got better when I left the area because I played against more, you know, higher-level national players and all that kind of stuff. They can't, so it's harder. But the other thing they focus on, too, is winning too much, and this juniors do it, too. They're, their focus is, like, well, if I won, I played good. If I played bad, I lost, and I, I laughed. I always tell my juniors, I'm like, you're not a player, until you learn how to win by playing bad. And then you can you can learn by being a simple – you know, some, so some of the people say consistency, sometimes to play a set. I mean, could you imagine playing a set and just pushing and just like, like I've done it to my daughter, but meaning like I've done it as a joke and, and I just laugh and I'm like, you're not getting the ball by me. I'm going to lob everything. If you don't come to the net, you're going to get these moon lobs all day. But we used to do that stuff when we were kids too. We get again, coming back to like getting frustrated at practices or the academy some kids a pain. He's a bad line caller. You're just like, you know what, buddy, you're getting moon balls this whole time. And I don't, I could care less if I win or, or, or lose this, but you're going to be frustrated when you walk out of here. And so you just moon ball, moon ball, moon ball. So, like an Alcaraz, I'm curious. I still look at Joe, which is the favorite, even though I'm the doll, like he's injured, but, but Alcaraz, like you said, it bash, 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 but he's coming in, he's drop shot and he can come in and volley. And that's, what's making a difference. He's not, he can hit big serves, but he's mostly been kicking them in he- heavy kicks, but I'm curious how he does. I, I to be honest, like I'd be surprised that he got by the quarters, but I didn't look at his draw yet either. So I don't know why. The only reason I'm saying is because I think that style like, it's not like Djokovic played to lose, but Djokovic played, he's still working on his game. He didn't care if he won. Like he's like one more masters, one more thousand masters, what's it gonna be on his his wall? But the French is gonna be, you know, he's one behind Nadal. He's still he could win the French again. He could win Wimbledon, he could win this. And Nadal looks like he's on his way out. He's like on the exit.
0: How how can you work on a stroke? Like, like what would be an, a good approach to like, okay, this is my issue. You've de- you've defined it. How do you then address it? You know.
1: Uh, oh, I laugh at because there's uh, a couple of players at the tennis club, and we go indoors, and they'll be like, "Bend the knees, you got to bend your knees," and I'm like, "Yeah, that's it, just bend your knees. That ball is going to go in every time. You just bend." But that's what I laugh at with that is it's as the 20 year old coming out and the guy saying like, "That's what they said when he was a kid," so it was hammered into his brain. I got to bend yeah, my yeah, knees, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, "No, you got to go run. You got to get in shape, and you don't have to think about bending your knees." But um, yeah, with the stroke some of the videos i want to do are a little odd like some of them i want to show how to how what not to do like meaning like how to do it by doing what you're not supposed to do like going off your back foot and cracking the ball like i go off my back foot on both sides i still hit the ball i still crush it but i i used to do drills where <laughs> if i was hitting cross courts with you i'd get inside the baseline and i'd let you i'd be like keep hitting the ball deep like and i'd, I'd be off my back foot backpedal like five steps and i just cracked the ball back to the person i wanted i just mess around and just see if i can do it and i just pull the contact back i let the contact come back with me because if you're moving like that and I, t- I don't know if i talk about this but when you're pulling back everyone's taught to hit out in front and it's like well not when you're pu- when you're out in front at your stationary position you're still too far out in front the ball is going to go short but when you're going back you still gotta you gotta understand your are mo- you're moving so the content's got to come even further back and then you just get off the ground, just turn your, turn your upper body. But um, this is some of the videos I do. Like, I just want to show how, what the pros are telling you to do. Well, let me show you what you can do and you can still do what you've been doing off your back foot um, to a certain degree.
0: A lot of players, they have never seen themselves on camera. So in their head, either they're like horrible depending on their mental state or they're like Roger Federer you know they, they don't like they don't have a perception I, I've done that with my like my father I've done that with a lot of players and uh and a lot of people get shocked like they don't want to see like they just just like a horror movie like they oh no 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 I just not I don't want to see anything you know and some people find it really useful like oh shit I, I I what am I doing there on the backhand like why am I not turning enough you know why am I not like so it's it's super beneficial. I can't stress that enough, but yeah, for some people, it can be quite a, sh- a shock to see like, okay, this is how it looks when I play. And then you watch a guy at ATP and you're like, Oh, I see why there's a level difference here. <laughs> I was like, yeah, a lot of
1: uh, the, the thing that we have in our area too, is like some kids, some local kids that go out and play tennis and our tennis around here, our high school tennis as a whole is like a, is like a one and a half UTR. Like that's like they're beginners. Most of them are beginners. And, um, but because they make their high school team they're like oh i can make the high school team and this person oh you take lessons i can make this and i'm like Ugh. like they're gonna get trounced by like uh, an eight utr but we only have a, a couple tournament players that play but it's it's just funny because people's perception of tennis is like it's so easy but it's it's far from easy
0: so you have to have some self-awareness to say you know if i play a guy who's uh, you know played futures And he, I know he's going to bash me. Like, I mean, I'm happy to get a game or two, you know, it's like this, this is going to be a destruction. I know that, but I know my own weaknesses and issues as a tennis player, not moving as fast or whatever. So, but a lot of players on, on like, they're a little bit new, maybe they play five years, two years, whatever. They, they have this perception that since if you can rally with someone on when they go down 50%, Oh, we're, we're about the same level they don't have no idea that you go like try to hit them lo- loose or balls or whatever give them easier shots no idea they don't realize yeah.
1: one time years ago my wife was like she hung out with some lady in town and she's like oh so-and-so her husband's uh says one of the best players around here i'm like what's his name and i'm like i've been around here forever i'm like i never heard of the guy so i'm like well if i haven't heard about him how good is he so i go out to the courts and I go, you want to play some sets? And he's like, yeah, I want to play some sets. I'm like, all right. And rally, the guy didn't miss the ball in the rally. And then in the warmups, once the match started, bagels. There's two bagels. And, uh, yeah. and every time was a bagel. And and I, I just laughed because then the real player shows up. You know, it's like what the boxers say, until you get punched in the face, you don't know what, you know, you, you think you're a tough guy, but it's the same thing. But once the match starts, all of a sudden, you know, I call it crumple So Like, they're just like crumple. They're just like balls get dumped in the net where the rallies were so good like even one of my students it's like I'm transitioning from a practice player to a match player and it's so hard it's so hard to break that mentality because you hit you hit they're hitting 20 30 balls in a row any kind of drill you do all of a sudden you start playing points first ball error first ball error uh one point gets played over time it just you just see the mental state just go down 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 and then it's like all right and then I have to like go back and train a little bit and in, in call it a day, and then the next time try to play more points. And each time I'm trying to get through to his brain that like, hey, you got to. It's okay. It's okay. Like you do, just you have to transition your brain. At least the only way you're gonna do it is by losing. And um, one of the notes I just made was um for like the four oh four fives is someone should do it. I don't know if I could do it, but it's like they should write how to win by losing. And it's like how to learning how to not so how to learning how to lose, but be like you know what. Like, so friends, I had one player around here that I worked with that he's like, I'm going to work on my serve and volley all winter. I don't care if I lose matches, I'm going to work on my serve and volley. Well, he was losing to guys, losing, losing to guys he would beat if he stayed back. And people were like, well, why don't you stay back? Why don't you stay back? You would be so much better as a backcourt player. He's like, I don't want to. I want to work on my serve and volley. And then all of a sudden he jumped the level and he just was wiping guys out. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, because he stayed back and he came to the net.
0: So I mean, he, he sacrificed his ego for a long period, yeah. which must hurt. Like that, that requires some guts to do it because it's, it, it, I mean, losing in tennis sucks, you know, like Sampras did that. I think when he uh, changed from a double-hander to a one-hander, he was like so bad for a long period of time in his career. And then yeah, when he was a junior and then like it clicked and suddenly he was beating everyone. Right. So it's, it's, that's it. You have to sacrifice a bit of, of comfort to improve. You know, I think that's very, very good advice.
1: Samuels was like 15, 16. He was, he was getting called up to go hit with Lendl at Lendl's house in and, and Connecticut. We all knew stories about that stuff. And, uh, and then he came, it seems like he came out of nowhere, but it's like some of these guys who practice together, like they're hitting partners, like Todd Martin was a hitting partner for a lot of guys. And then he became a top 10 pro. I think it was top top 10. That's another start. But then it's like, well, how does, say, a top junior become into that? not echelon but into that circle where they can get those hits and it's when i put a, a site together for starters i'm i'm more about trying to even the playing field trying to get like kids to to 10 utr a little quicker for a cheaper price than paying i mean some people are paying crazy money i mean sometimes you can, tennis can be 15 grand minimum you know some people are paying 30 40 grand and that's junior tennis and then yeah yeah, yeah. You know,
0: of course i mean it's expensive sport for parents for amateurs as well but if you have a job and you're like an adult you can you can plan your own like expenses but if you have a kid dream is to be a tennis pro that's going to burn a hole in your wallet pretty quickly right it's this that's a that's a rough thing to hear for parents like someone oh i want to go to harvard okay great you know
1: you ever think about that stuff like how tennis is like most of it it is a money sport golf's a money sport too so these kids go to like the harvards the yales then they end up like trying to play a little bit but they know they're not going to go pro maybe they're 11 utr like oh, i'll write or 9 utr or whatever and I'll, I'll write and then they start writing and they write educated stuff but it's like almost like too educated it's not like too
0: too smart you realize like people are buying less books uh, and and keep digesting less written information and they yeah. want videos or they want like interactive stuff or they want so when you do right stuff, you have to be very like concise or entertaining. So you have to get to the point pretty quickly. I don't think a lot of people, adults and kids, read a lot of dry technical manuals because it's not the best way to get that information in the system, anyway. Right. So it's just it's too dry. Like I have a lot of technical books and it's it's like it's tough work to get through them. Like maybe 20 years ago when there were no Instagram and no, you know, YouTube, whatever, you would be like, okay, this is what I have to do. But now there's all kinds of information out there. So you wouldn't do that. Sometimes they don't do stuff because they think like everything's been done or there's competition. Every person has a unique voice and a unique take. You just need to bring it out. Right? So if, if you bring your unique voice out there, some people will gravitate towards that if you do it well enough. So there's not like you, you don't have to, Oh, there's already 4,000 coaches on YouTube, but that's a maybe different from what would you would do, for example. So
1: how you say it's different than how somebody else said it can be the yeah. same exact thing, but it, it may not make sense because the way it was worded. When I've been doing the videos. There's stuff I do on my swing. I had no clue. Like meaning like when I flatten out my backhand on my slice and then i at contact, I never realized if you, if, here's the thing about YouTube that bugs me. And this is what the, the, the three fives and the four O's don't get is that I never thought about that stuff. If I sat there nowadays and I had all this YouTube content, I'm like, well, on your backhand slice, you want the racket here and you want to snap into the ball and all this blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I'd be like, like, what the heck's going on? Like, I'm like, Oh, I'm trying to do what the YouTube guy was saying. And this isn't working. And all I focus on is like the contact and what I'm doing there. This year has been interesting for me from a writing standpoint, because I'm not only just writing like tennis piece, I'm doing other writing too. And, uh, and I hit, I hit a wall twice. I was like, man, I just, I was getting out so much content. And I'm like, <laughs> and I hit a wall and I needed like a week off. And I'm like, now, basically, when I had free time certain days during the week, I don't have free time anymore. And I'm like, I need free time. I need to go do something. I need to, like, not be so, you know, like, those when, I, when we emailed back and forth about the analysis pieces, like, those, when all of a sudden you do an analysis piece, and you're like, oh, there's a match tomorrow. Oh, there's a match this time. Oh, I can yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's, it's endless, right?
1: And then you're like, oh, I can do this every day. And then you're like, yeah, but you, then you're just, you're going down this road over here, and you're like, you need to come back over here. and yeah and they're fun pieces they're, it's like i write like more humorous with those pieces than than anything else but it's but the funny part about writing is like you get those pieces for the humor i get my you know i write you know fictional stuff for other things and then i do the analysis pieces um but some of those pieces are fun some of the like the, the kind of lessony type pieces i send out or the win one but like you said how many people are going to read <laughs>